Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 124 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am Michael. And I am Anthony. And we are glad to have you back for another week to sit down, enjoy some beer, talk about some Bible-ish, Bible-adjacent stuff, and have a good time doing it. Yeah. 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 We're in this weird season where we're, we don't want to dive into our next study just yet because they're there's going to be like two months, basically, where um, I won't be available. Um, yep. And so we didn't want to get into something. So that's why we're kind of doing this quasi-topical, uh, these discussions the last few weeks. And tonight's another night like that. So um, we'll get into that here in a little bit. But Anthony, how you doing? What's going on with you? Man, it's uh, it's a, it's midway through the week. This is kind of a weird, uh, strange week for us. We're recording twice mm-hmm. in like a two or three day period of time, and so you know we just recorded on Monday night. Now it's Wednesday night recording again. So, um, not a lot has happened since Monday, uh, but it has been a busy week this week, and uh, yeah. you know just uh, just working our way through the work week and and trying to trying to get all that done. Uh, seems like this spring time has been a lot busier um this year than it has like in past my wife and i were looking over the counter for like the next two weeks and Mm -hmm. it's like we have something to do like almost every single night for like two weeks straight and i'm like how do we get ourselves into this yeah i'm I'm in the same boat um are y'all closed on good friday we are not closed on good friday so we will be open well see like so in my business we close on um we'll be closed on friday and Mm -hmm. um so now you know, now you've got to cram five days worth of work into four days. Four days, um, yep. <laughs> and I totally plan on not working a second on Friday just because I don't want to. Um, I wouldn't. But so yeah, that's what we're dealing with. Um, like you said, we just recorded two nights ago for the episode that released now last week. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it's a little weird for us. We haven't done this in a while. We haven't been like this recorded this close. In a, no. In a second. We- so. We usually stay ahead at least a week or so, so we don't we don't end up trying to stack up and do a bunch of episodes. Mm-hmm. But it, it it happens when it happens. I yep. mean, your schedules are are what they are, and we just try to make the best out of yep. it. And uh, and you know, the one thing we are going to do though is we're going to have a good time, and we're going to drink beer, and we're going to talk about the Bible. Yeah, for sure, exactly. And we're committed to continuing to release episodes, and as long as we as long as people keep <laughs> listening to them, which. If you're listening to our podcast, we we thank you. And um, that's right, that's right. Keep on doing that. So let's get into it. Let's. What, what are we drinking tonight, Anthony? What are we drinking tonight? I have got uh, from the Straight to Ale Brewery, and I have to say that right. Straight to Ale Brewery. Um, this is the Velvet Evil, and it is an old ale brewed with chocolate, coffee, and raspberries. Um, they have no description on their website, and I found this on Untapped, which was kind of cool. So, they have a beer called I'm gonna try this. I don't know how good I'm gonna get Uno Botanium, Uno Botanium, and it apparently is like the base beer. They have this ale that's kind of the base, and they brew other flavors with it to make these other beers. But this is a, a modification of that. Hmm. Um, and it says it has been spiked with subtle hints of coffee and raspberry and a full-on dose of rich chocolate. It is deceptively smooth, sweet, and delicious. Hmm. So um, Untapped says it comes in at 11.5 oh, uh, ABV. Okay. The can says it comes in at 10.1. So either way, it is rocking. <laughs> so you're, you are going to be the uh, spicy one tonight. I am going to be the spicy one tonight because I have a 10% ABV, and I would like to have two of these, but I'm not sure if I'm going to need to do that tonight. So, Well, 
Let's take it easy. We'll, we'll see what happens. But anyway, what are you drinking tonight? So tonight I am drinking uh, from the Wibby Brewing Company based in Longmont, Colorado. Um, I am drinking the Lightshine Rodler. Um, nice. Several episodes ago when we had uh, the Radanks on, uh, we we tried a Rodler for the first time and it just so happened that uh, Beer Drop sent me one. So um, this thing is a... Uh, raspberry lemonade, ro- uh, Rodler, uh, refreshing beverage according to actually Beer Drops website. Um, and then if you go to wibbybrewing.com, um, it tells you exactly the same thing. Award-winning light shine Hellas, blended with a splash of house-made raspberry lemonade. So it's kind of like a, almost like a mixed drink kind of looking, kind of sounds like it. Yeah. Um, so. I'm excited about this one. This one is a four and a half, four point five ABV, um, no IBUs listed on the website here, and this is actually from Wibby. So um, there are other beers do have IBUs, so I guess there are no IBUs on this one. So, um, but the Light Shine mm-hmm. Rodler is what I'm drinking. Um, kind of cool looking can, um, Raspberry Rodler Lager is what the can says. Hmm. So I'm interested, and um, I think we are going to find out what we've got. By cracking these things open, pouring them up. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. Okay. Smells like a Rodler. This one, uh... You, do you know... All right, so at Christmas time, they make these. Uh, there, there's a company called Queen Anne, and they make chocolate covered cherries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know exactly. That used to be like the, like how you knew Christmas was coming. That's exactly right. It's my favorite thing to eat at Christmas. Um, I always go get a box of chocolate covered cherries and eat them. This thing smells like a chocolate covered cherry. Okay, I'm kind of excited about this. Mine just smells like a lemon, like a lemonade. Is it uh is it extra carbonated like the the other one? It doesn't really. it doesn't appear to be. Um Yeah. The can does say that it's refreshing, sweet and tart. So it's cuz it's got like it's raspberry and lemonade. Mm-hmm. Um but it smells pretty good. And uh I think we should uh get to drinking. Turn them up. Let's go. Cheers. Cheers. Yours is... I just saw how dark yours was for the first time. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm glad this one is 10.1% ABV. I don't know what that means. <clears throat> so, are you thinking? Because I think I can do mine pretty good. Yeah. Sure, go ahead. Okay. So, the reason I'm glad this is 10.1% ABV, because this thing is, like, mega rich in flavor. I mean, almost to the point of being a little bit overbearing in flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, like, have you ever eaten a piece of chocolate cake or something, or, or like a piece of fudge, and you bite into it, and it, like, it almost makes your teeth hurt? Yeah. Because it's so rich in flavor? Yeah, yeah, Like... The flavor of it is good, but it almost feels like it feels like it's too much. Yeah, and this beer, like I guess, it's just it, it's just like it's all punch, and so it's gonna make me want to drink it slower, which is good. That which is why I'm glad it's ten point one percent ABV because it's like it's almost like a sipper. You know, is it? It's not. Is it really thick? It's not thick like a stout. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's definitely got the consistency of an ale, which that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be an ale. Mm-hmm. Um, old ale brewed with chocolate, coffee, and raspberries, and so it's not that it's thick and, or it's hard to drink. Um, you know, thickness wise, it's just it's just really, really rich, like mega rich in flavor. And mm-hmm. so it's it's a little bit of a turnoff for me. I, I I feel like the flavor is good, but it's too much. Gotcha. It's overpowering in the beer, and so. I'm gonna I'm gonna come in a little bit low on this, and I'm gonna give it three and a half Luthers. Okay, because it's just I, I 
it's just way too rich for for me for my I mean like if you like that that stout um heaviness flavor like flavor heaviness profile then you you might like this yeah um but it's definitely I mean it's definitely got good raspberry flavor chocolate flavor like you can get all of that out of it yeah and so I like it but I I don't think I would ever have more than one of these at a time like okay. I, I would never sit down and drink two or three right. even over like a two or three hour period of time I wouldn't do it just because it's it is so rich I, I don't think I could do it so three and a half liters for me on the velvet evil well all right then how's um, the rodler it's pretty good um I just caught that we both had like raspberry in bo- in our, both of our beers. As you mm-hmm. were talking, I was like, "Oh, yours has raspberry too." Um, this one's really, really good. Um, the uh, I wish it had a little more of the lemonade flavor. Like you can yep. definitely taste it, but it's not as tart or bitter. Um, okay, as like a traditional, like a raspberry lemonade is like to me when you when you have like raspberry, strawberry lemonade. Like lemonade should still be like the focal point. Mm-hmm. And to me, in this one, it's more like a 50-50 split between like right. the raspberry and the lemonade. So um, it's really sweet. I'm not getting as much tart as I'd like, um, mm-hmm. but it's still really light, still really, really good, like I said. Um, okay. I gave I gave the Steigl Rodler when we had the Radangs on. I gave, We both gave that one four and a half Luthers, and I don't feel like this mm-hmm. one is quite as good as that one was. Right. Um, but it's still pretty good, and I am going to land at four Luthers on okay. the uh, Light Shine Rodler from Wibby Brewing. Wibby. Wibby Brewing. And that'll be the third week in a row I've rated something four Luthers. Well, that's good. Yeah. I'm hitting a good, hitting a good stretch here, so. Yes, you are. But I, I was looking back over mine. Like I've actually gone back to the the my old ways uh, of rating things a little bit lower than normal. Mm-hmm. You know, we had that stretch of nothing but like fours and four and a halfs and fives and mm-hmm. um, this one. I, I don't know. The last last few weeks have been just a little bit low for me. Uh, I've been in the four and three and three and a half range. So, so with my rating of not giving this one a five tonight. Going mm-hmm. back and looking through all of our ratings, I have now hit the longest stretch in the history of the podcast where I have not given something five Luthers. <laughs> the previous record was nine. And we're at, what are we at, ten now? This is now ten weeks in a row with neither of us getting a five Luther beer. Sure is, in man. Fact, the last time we rated something five, we both had the Moon Pie Stout. Which is still a five Luther beer, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. I so. think I was either coming out of or going back into my last batch of COVID when we did that one. That's how long ago that was. Man. Oh, well. Seems like forever ago. Cool. Well, anyway. Well, there, there we it, go. Um, the Straight to Ale Brewing's Velvet Evil, getting three and a half Luthers from Anthony. And the Light Shine Rodler from Wibby Brewing. Getting four Luthers from me. That's on a scale of one to five. And um, there is our beer review for the week. And after this short break, what are we going to talk about? Two of our favorite topics. Theology and worship. And how we get theology in worship. It's going to be a good time. So stick around with us and we'll be right back. Well, we want to welcome you back from that break, and we're going to have a good time tonight. We're uh, we're going to talk about something that um, Michael and I have been involved with. You know, we're we're coming off of our discussion on production, and and it was act- I think actually at the end of that discussion, kind of after we recorded, we got to talking about maybe we should do something on worship because 
the flip side of production is worship. You know, the worship team, that's kind of the, the two opposites that make a Sunday really, really happen. And so um, we started kind of just riffing a little bit on worship and worship songs and, you know, celebrity worship culture. And there's so many different areas that you could tackle this subject. Um, but I think we're going to try to stay as close as we can to a theology uh, of worship and specifically like a theology in the songs that we sing. Yeah. So, you know, we do a lot of songs and, and just because something is modern doesn't mean it's wrong or right. And just because something is old doesn't mean it's wrong or right. And so, you know, you hear uh, from different churches, you know, if, if it's a more a, a more traditional church, you know, you're going to hear, oh, those new songs, they, you know, there's no depth to them. There's no richness to them. I'm like, man, I could point you to a few songs in the hymnal that are terrible. Oh, the hymnal is full <laughs> of songs that are wrought with theological problems or yeah. lack theology in general. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good point. And, and this is what I always try to remind myself, especially when I find myself becoming cynical about worship songs, worship tunes, or something like that. Um, I always remind myself that every worship form was brand new at some point. Right. You know, when when they were doing mass and liturgies in the 1500s, 1600s, at the start of the Reformation, even that was, you know, was new. Um, and the organ coming into worship at one point was new, and people were like, oh, I can't. What What in the world are you doing? Right. You know, or how like um, I don't want to. I don't want to be like. I don't want to be wrong here. So I'm making a huge assumption about something. But like mm -hmm. in like the 1800s, worship yeah. music with like was worship music sometimes like rewritten from bar songs. That probably would have been closer to the 1600s, but 1600s. yeah, Martin Luther. Martin Luther was, um, in fact, "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God" is an old Irish bar song. Sweet, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> oh man, one of my favorite hymns of all time. For the record, "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God" is a is an old Irish bar song. So my, Martin Luther. So Martin Luther would do. He would take songs that people in the common tongue knew, like the the um tune mm -hmm. to and he he would put basically like theological lyrics on top of i mean right. he, he was the original like weird al yankovic he, of he, he's he, he's a original mashup parody guy that's right <laughs> oh man that's amazing uh martin luther we really need you back oh what a guy. gosh what, what a guy. guy what a guy so yeah so let's talk about what worship is you know okay. it, it it can be a lot of different things yeah you know what what give me your definition of what you think worship actually is are you talking like broadly or like specific okay so let, let, I'll let's give you go both. broad first I'll give you both so worship <clears throat> is um, any activity that is that's its specific purpose. Mm -hmm. Not like you're doing this thing and you're also doing Bible study. That's not the same thing. So like, so worship to me is like any specific focused activity mm -hmm. that brings you closer to Jesus, whether that's um, uh, singing songs or sitting under preaching or praying, mm -hmm. um, how you interact with others. Like, like these, these are all like ways that you can worship Jesus. Right. Um, yeah. Studying your Bible is is a, is a form of worship. Um, right. Specifically for our discussion tonight, I would I would say that we're talking about the praise and worship musical parts of yeah. of that experience. Yes, um, and, and I think, and we've talked about it before. I think that we get really caught up in describing worship as the music portion yeah. of us of a service um when that's not what it is at all worship is like we talked about last week everything that happens from mm -hmm. the start of a worship experience to the end so yeah. your um your your pray your praise and worship 
that's obviously worship. You're praying, even your transitional prayers, mm-hmm. worship. The preaching is is the pastor preaching. He's worshiping God and and how he's doing that. You sitting under that preaching, you're worshiping God and how and how you sit under that preaching. That's right. Um, your your posture in that in those moments is very important there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then anyone who has any part in it, the sound guy, the camera guy, the band, the the prayer, the people who pass the offering plates, like all of that is some form of worship to an individual and and should be seen as such by other people. Um, but then specifically, like I said, for our discussion tonight, worship is the music, the singing mm-hmm. portion of that. Yeah. So one of the most popular verses um, that I can think of when it comes to people referring to worship is Romans 12, 1. Mm-hmm. Um, and Romans 12, 1 simply says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was in college, um, I took a class and we were asked to define worship and, you know, we gave all of the answers that, that a 18 year old college kid who thought he knew what the Bible really taught could give. And then this old guy, um, gets up there and, and, and he says, worship is responding to all that God is with all that you are in everything that you do. Mm. And I was like, dang, I feel stupid. <laughs> but it's it's precisely what you just talked about. You know, in everything that you're doing, you are responding to all that God is with all that you are. And so, you know, it's, it, and that's exactly what Romans 12.1 talks about. And that's why I love that verse, because it doesn't say, you know, this is your act of true worship, that you sing songs and you lift a, a joyful noise to the Lord. That's not your act of worship. Mm-hmm. Your act of worship is submitting yourself to God, being conformed into his image. That is your act of worship. Can, can you say that one more time? Worship is responding yeah, to worship all that is, God is responding to all that God is with all that you are in everything that you do. And so it's when you when you think of worship at not as just a singing or something like that, you begin to get a little bit of different perspective on worship. And what happens is when you take that different perspective on worship, it begins to infiltrate the worship that you sing and the worship that, you know, when it comes to praise and singing Mm -hmm. in church, it begins to infiltrate that kind of stuff. And so you want to be very particular about the songs that you sing, because, you know, that's where you start getting these theological debates about songs. And, and, you know, the, the, probably the biggest theological debate of the last five years, four years has been the song reckless love. Yep. You know, um, Calvinists hate it. Um, Arminians love it. I'm a Calvinist. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I, I would probably align more with Calvinists, but it's probably one of my favorite songs. And, you know. and, and I think, I don't know, like, is it is it appropriate to think of God's love as reckless? Maybe. Like, it, like I think it's, I think it's, I think what ends up happening is people are, are like attributing an action with mm-hmm. his character. Yeah. Like like the 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 action of God's love for us and and what he mm-hmm. did to show his love for us. If anyone else in the history of ever does that, it's reckless. Yeah. And I mean, maybe a different word could have been used, but well, we I, I talk about. I don't know. We what. talk about heroes, and and they they we we will say things like they acted with reckless abandon, like they they did things without thinking about the the ramifications of what that action was going to be on yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Um, and there was a video of Corey Asbury actually explaining it. And and again, you know, do I think reckless is the best word? No, I don't. I, but but when you look at the the song as a whole, and you say, let's take you know, let's not take a, a section of this out of context and say, mm-hmm. oh, you can't call the love of God reckless. Okay, all right, great. Um, you just Philippians four thirteen that thing. Great, good job. <laughs> um, <laughs> that you like that one? Mm-hmm. That's um, a good one. That's a good one. So, but when you look at the the body of work uh, of that song, Reckless Love, there it talks. Um, oh man, I just totally forgot the lyrics of the chorus. Um, oh, the over. I haven't sung in a while. Haven't <laughs> either. <laughs> oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love reckless of God. Love of God. Oh, he chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the ninety nine. Yeah, how could I earn it? I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. I thought it was I could, I could, I could never, or I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Something like that. Still, you gave yourself away. Oh, the and so, but I mean, when you look at it that way, it's I mean that is exactly what Scripture teaches. It Mm -hmm. it says that salvation is something that you can't earn. The love of God is not something that you can earn. It's something that He has to give you. Yeah, you know, He has to show you love, Um, and. Talk about leaving the ninety nine. I mean, that that's a parable. Yeah, I was about to say there, Jesus told a story about that, didn't he? Yeah, and he says that that one is just you know, and the disciples are like, no, why would you leave ninety nine sheep to go get one? And Jesus is like, that's how important the one is mm-hmm. that you do something that the majority of the world is going to think the opposite. They're like, right. oh, it's just one. Yeah. But God sees it as no. That's the that's, that's my the one. one. That's the one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's my one. And and none of my sheep. You know, you read through John. He says he's the good shepherd. None of his sheep will be lost. Right. So we talked a little bit about like every old song was a new song that dealt with the same thing that Reckless mm-hmm. Love did, right? And so why is it so easy? You know, like. 50, 75, 100 years after these hymns of the faith have been written Mm -hmm. to forget that, like, okay, you got to think 50, 75, 100 years ago, such and such song, which is like a foundation of of worship now, Mm -hmm. went through the same process. Like, like why do we forget that? So when when a song like Reckless Love is written and, and starts coming through our churches and we... You know, a lot of churches pick it up and make it an anthem. Like, why is it such a big deal when people are like, "Oh, you can't describe God's love as reckless," and but then you could you could look at other songs and be like, "Well, can you describe God's love as something else?" Like, I I don't know. I think that when you when you get to the longevity of a song, okay, mm-hmm. and and this is this is kind of the the issue that I take with with reckless love. Um, that's probably going to be our prime example tonight. That's going to be like our comparison tool. Um, the issue that I take with Reckless Love is it's it is written for a very specific time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, it is written for people who are living in 2018 to 2025. You know, it's going to. I think that song has a shelf life of about eight to ten years, and and I think it will it will die out because it won't be it won't fit the cultural moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when Corey Asbury wrote that song, he wrote a song that spoke into the cultural moment, mm-hmm. and that was a good thing. Yeah. Um. And, and and I don't I don't take issue with that, but I think when you write songs that transcend the cultural moment, um, and I think about the the old hymn it as well. You know, we still sing variations of that song today. Mm-hmm. But what uh what Horatio Spatford did was he wrote a song that wasn't necessarily focused on like a cultural moment, something that was happening at that time. He wrote a song that was rooted and grounded in the deep character of God. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is no matter what happens in life, I can find my contentment and I can find my, my joy in Christ and nowhere else other than Christ. You know, um, I don't know if you know the story behind it as well, but he wrote it after his family was basically killed at sea. Mm-hmm. 
and and um, the way the the short version of the story is the way he you know he rode on a boat. They were going from I think they were going from England to America. It was either England to America or America to England, one of the two. And his wife and his children died. The boat sank. They died. He took a boat later, and he got to the the spot where the boat sank. And you know he's standing on this boat, and he says, you know, no matter my lot, I can still say it is well with my soul. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter what happens to me in this life. It doesn't matter the good or the bad. And and that that kind of imagery and that kind of lyric just it hits us deeper as people. Right. Than oh the overwhelming never ending reckless love of God. You know, it, it it just hits us in a different way. And and I think songs that 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 speak to that timelessness of God are going to carry that timelessness. Another song that I think is going to carry for years and years and and possibly hundreds of years is the song "In Christ Alone" mm-hmm. that Stuart Townsend and Keith and Kristen Getty wrote. You know, that's a modern song. The first time I heard that song, I was like, you know, what Puritan wrote this song? Right. And then I found out it was written like two years ago. Right. <laughs> but there, there's there's songs that are formulated just a little bit differently, and those songs are going to carry differently than than a lot of what our modern things and, and you know maybe that's the complaint is that that we don't have more songs that were written like those songs that that have mm-hmm. carried for hundreds of years um but you have to remember that when those songs were written there was a whole bunch of songs that were contemporary to those songs that we forgot about right so having a worship song not be as deep as you want it to be or as theologically rich as you want it to be, is not necessarily a disqualifier of singing it as a congregational worship song. Okay. You know? Yeah. Does that does that help? Yeah, it does. So let's talk about this. I, I'm, okay. And, and I don't know if you guys can tell, if our listeners can tell, we also don't have notes this week. So we're kind of, <laughs> if we're all over the, if it feels like we're all over the place, there's a good reason it, for that. It's because we're all over the place. Yeah. So leave us alone. Um, so I actually have a couple of questions about um, okay. how we as a congregation should interact with these songs that the worship team, the worship pastor, mm-hmm. whoever has planned for a specific Sunday. So okay. or a specific service. So let's say you show up and the first song is a is a big rock show song, whatever that you like you don't care for you're mm-hmm. you're older you 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 like the old the old school way you like simple piano and choir and in the church you're a part of doesn't have that so mm-hmm. like how do we and i know that ha- that comes down to like a personal preference thing right mm-hmm. so how do we if we're called to be a part of a church engage with the worship styles mm-hmm. that may not necessarily align with our preferences because i'll be honest with you there are some songs at my at the church i serve at that when we do them they they do nothing for me on the surface like they there's Mm -hmm. there's like i don't i don't think they're fun they're not like like uh, they're not um it's difficult to engage with them sometimes Mm -hmm. and i guess the question is like how do we engage in those moments when I guess our preferences aren't being satisfied. And I know mm-hmm. church isn't all about us, but like what do you do? Like like what's what's the best course of action yeah. in your experience? So um this is gonna be this is gonna be my spicy hot take for the week. Um and I can answer that question in four words. It's not about you. Bingo! <laughs> I'll say it again Michael in case it was. It. And I'll say I was trying to think like what could the four words be. I'll say it again in case you didn't hear. It's not about you. Would That's be the exactly four words. right. Those are the four words. Um, if you don't like the song, fantastic. Get over yourself. You're not that important. Mm. Um, I like the. Um, I think I've seen it somewhere. It's like, um, like a like a older person approaches a worship pastor and says, I really didn't care for that song today. And the pastor responds with, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you today anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like something like that. Um, 
I love those. Like, I love seeing, I mean, I don't know how authentic that interaction was, but like just knowing or being, I guess I am going to end up answering my own question here. Like re like having to reaffirm in my own heart that it's not about my preferences. It's not about Mm -hmm. what I want. It's not about the songs that I, that I connect with, right. Are easy to engage for me. If the, worship pastor in the church has chosen these songs for this Sunday for a specific reason. Mm -hmm. And I'm called and I feel called to be a part of that church. Then my responsibility is to engage in the moment regardless. That's right. If you don't like the song, can you sit there and read the lyrics and, and understand what the lyrics could be possibly teaching you about God? Mm -hmm. Is it possible that you could, think about those lyrics and and those words that Mm -hmm. other people are singing you don't like songs so you don't want to sing it okay that's great can you think about those lyrics because i guarantee you that the person who wrote it sat down and thought and mulled over what words and and prayed god Mm -hmm. help me write these words and help me get these words out and and you know if if your response to that is well it's not good enough for me get over yourself yeah I'll be really honest with you. So in the last couple of weeks, our church has introduced a new song. And the first Sunday we played it, I was on the worship team. And so Mm -hmm. I was listening to it in the weeks leading up to that. But um, if you've ever prepared for a worship service, you know that um, there are these things called ISO tracks. Mm -hmm. And so they, they take each part and isolate it so that you can hear your vocal part. You can hear your instrument, Mm -hmm. whatever. But... Um, the key this song was written in was written for a male lead and our church, it was going to be a female lead. So they had to modulate it to the female key Mm -hmm. and they hadn't, um, they hadn't done the resourcing themselves yet, or they haven't gotten the resourcing to put it in the female key. So the, all they did was digitally modulate it. I bet it sounded like trash. It sounded like (laughs) Alvin and the chipmunks. And when I say that, I'm being a hundred percent honest. And so the first time I heard that song, I'm like, I am not going to like this song. <laughs> like I, I, I will not like it when we go, when we play it on during rehearsal on Sunday, I'm not going to, it's not going to, I'll try, I'll try to, I'll try to show interest. I'll try to be engaged, but I, mm-hmm. in my heart, I'm going to be like, this is, it's not, it's not happening. <laughs> first time we played through it at the rehearsal on Sunday morning, it was like it, it hit and it really like there, there was a connection and a moment. And so like, even in those moments where you're like, I don't think I'm going to like this song. And I like, I was sure that mm-hmm. I was not going to like it no matter what. <laughs> and now like we've played it a couple, I've, I've served two weeks in a row now. And we played it both Sundays because that's what our church does. They introduce a song and play it for like a month. <laughs> but, yeah. but what but you it, should do. It, it is. <laughs> but it's like now that we've played it a couple weeks in a row, I'm like, this is I, – I I love the song. And it's – Yeah. You know, I, I've I've grown to be like even – if, even if the first time listening through it is like, yeah, I don't know about this song just because of how it sounds. Like mm-hmm. sitting under and being like listening to the lyrics and and engaging with those, that that can that can result in a heart change real fast. Yeah. So. Yes, it can. Um. So let let's build on that right there for a little bit. So you introduce a new song. You have this new song. You sing it for a few weeks. You know, let's think a little bit about where these songs come from, okay? Mm-hmm. A lot of the songs that, that smaller and medium and really even large churches do are are coming from either other large churches or they're coming from celebrity-ish, if you want to call them that, worship leaders. They're coming, you know? they're coming from Christian radio. Christian radio, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, to be honest, a lot of worship, like, it comes, it hits a mega church first and then it's kind of disseminated out through something and then it they, then they get like the radio edit because you know the the worship version is like eight minutes long where they can't play that so they have to edit down to a four minute yeah. radio version <laughs> or like you'll have like the big the big church version and then the celebrity worship leaders will yeah. record 
and everyone will have a version of it. A version of it, it takes yeah. no time. Like Chris Tomlin's going to add a second chorus to whatever song it is. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. <laughs> yeah. So. So yeah. So all right. So we have those songs now, and and we sing those songs, and I, I think this is where our like our celebrity culture comes in, mm-hmm. and we get to a point where we say, okay. Chris Tomlin covered this song, so a million people are going to sing it now because Chris Tomlin does the song. Or um, uh, Hillsong, we probably shouldn't be bringing them up right now, but, you know. We'll use Wickham. <laughs> yeah, all right, there you go. Phil Wickham. Phil Wickham writes a song, and so it's instantly going to be a big hit in, in churches everywhere. Or, and he, so, or he covers a song. He has, he has Chris Tomlin a couple of songs. Yes, yes, he has. So what do we do with with that type of persona or that type of personality when it comes to churches? And and then you I'll, I'll kind of caveat that a little bit. What do you do when you find out that person believes something kind of strange or possibly n- slightly off the rocker? You know, we're not going to go into full-blown heresy, but, you know, a little bit of heresy maybe. Like, like heresy light. Heresy, heresy light, yeah. <laughs> like Miller light. Of course, like... What's funny is I asked this. Que- I asked my wife this question at dinner tonight, just in preparation, because I like to ask questions and talk things out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and and her example was great. So let's say let's let's take the worship experience out of it. If you were looking to only interact with companies or individuals or uh, teachers at your kid's school or Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, like if you're only looking to interact with people who believe exactly like you do, you could not do anything like you would have to live outside. You couldn't live in a tent because you don't know like the CEO of the tent company could have different beliefs than you. <laughs> you couldn't live in a house because the people who cut down the lumber may have different beliefs. Like, mm-hmm. And so I think we need to be really careful um, and not necessarily promote churches that have like questionable theology. Yeah. But also like, like we talked about with Philippians when, when Paul says, um, you know, if they're preaching for the wrong motives, but preaching the gospel, what difference does it make? If a church with questionable preaching theology puts out a song, that's, you know, that is a great song and there's no theological issues with it. What difference does it make? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll I'll add to that a little bit that it has become the nature of modern day worship music that there are tons and tons of co-writers. You know, oh yeah, I am not a huge fan, and and in fact, I do believe that that Bethel Church it teaches heretical doctrines, like they teach word of faith, prosperity gospel, um, you know, faith healing. They they teach all of that stuff, and I. There is nowhere in Scripture that any of that stuff is found, mm-hmm. and but they also somehow have managed to produce some of the the best worship songs that I believe are biblical. Yeah, you know, separate the music section from the teaching section, and and you have I I, I believe you you would be like, no, this is not the same people, because everybody ragged on the song Oceans years ago, and and then that's another one that I was like. You know, um, I realize it's repetitive, and yes, it's like twenty eight thousand minutes long, and you know, it's it's made for some funny videos of like uh, people doing crazy drumming things, and there's <laughs> that one video. <laughs> that's one of my favorite videos on the internet. Oh so, my gosh! But I mean, it leads to things like that. Yes, but like, think of the think of the lyrics behind "Take Me Deeper Into In Like Into the Well of You, God. Take mm-hmm. Me Where My Faith Won't Let Me." You know. Take me further than I am willing to go in my flesh. Mm-hmm. Take me past what I'm comfortable with. Take me to area, and, and I mean, I don't, I can't think of a better prayer for Christians on a daily basis. You know, yeah. does that mean? And, and and I guess this is where I get to it. Does that mean it's not fit for corporate worship, or would it be better suited as private worship? And and I think a lot of of uh, of worship today, I think we could divide it better into corporate and private worship. Mm. And and there are certain songs that are made kind of for that corporate worship scene, and then there are other songs that are just so 
thoughtful and contemplative that maybe they're better had in in your headphones while you're spending some time with God. Um, you know, because in in this in this modern celebrity culture thing that we mm-hmm. moment that we find ourselves in, you know, a lot of times we end up with the uh, you know the Chris Tomlin. Oh, Chris Tomlin covered a song, so it must be good. Or oh, Phil Wickham wrote a song, so it must be good. Yeah. And and you know, I think it's better to judge a song not by who wrote it, not by how it sounds, but read the lyrics for yourself and decide, you know, yeah. kind of kind of isolate or compartmentalize the song and say, are these lyrics scriptural? Do they come from a scriptural basis? Can they be found being taught in God's word? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, then maybe there's a level of hesitancy. Um that goes into that, into doing that song or something like that. If you're a, a Sunday morning worship leader, you know, I know guys personally that have just said, you know what, even if it's a good song and even if I might do, I might use it in my personal worship time, I'm not going to do it into a corporate setting because mm-hmm. I don't want X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know, and, and I can, I can respect that. I don't have to agree with it, but I can respect that because they're thinking about, their congregation, they're thinking about the people that they have to lead on a week-in and week-out basis. Yeah. And so when it comes to celebrity culture and talking about, you know, should we do a song, should we not do a song because it comes from a certain church, you know, one of the songs, another song that I think of is the song, Oh, Praise the Name, that uh, I believe it was Hillsong that it wrote was. that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and I mean, that that's another one that I believe has the potential to be a timeless song. It has the potential to be to go on for years, like in "In Christ Alone" uh, or "Or in It Is Well," because when you think about the lyrics of that song, and I've got them pulled up here, I set my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see His wounds, His hands, His feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid Him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still and all alone. Mm-hmm. And then um, the the fourth verse to me is like. You know, that's just when the song just, you're like, yeah, he shall return in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night and I will rise among the saints. My gaze transfixed on Jesus face. You know, this song walks you through the death, burial and resurrection and coming return of Christ Jesus. What better thing to proclaim among hundreds or possibly thousands of other believers in one voice as loud as you possibly can? Mm hmm. You know, and and I lo- I love hearing the the like when they do a stadium recording of them singing this or something like that, and there's like fifty thousand people singing. You're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think um, Living Hope is like that too. Where it, oh yeah, it, I mean, it really there those two songs I think are really more modern day hymns, right? Where yeah, there's a very specific style. There's a, almost a rhythmic kind of feel to it, like. As you're yeah. reading the words, I was remembering like how that song, the rhythm of that song goes, and it's very, very methodical, very like, um, mm-hmm. very planned out. Um, and I think maybe those songs have a better chance of standing the test of time mm-hmm. um, than, you know, like um, like Reckless Love. It's a great song. I love the song. It's got a weird rhythm and time, and, yeah, um, <clears throat> and that kind of thing. It's just. I think it's in six, eight or three, four. If you're not a music guy, you're not going to know what that means. But like, it's in a weird. It's I think it's six, eight. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's either going to be six, eight or twelve, eight. It's it's just Depends it's just a, it's just it a weird it's just a weird time signature, right? So, mm-hmm. um, those songs are a little trickier to that to stand the test of time. Um, yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't negate their validity. That doesn't negate their. Sorry, their uh, significance to the church, um, mm-hmm. even if it's only for a short period of time. So, um, yeah, you know, know there there were songs, and, and I think about you know, um, I think about songs like um, old uh, Negro spirituals. Okay, and I I promise I'm not going racist on this. I I know what I just said, but those were songs that were written out of a. A, a, an almost like an era of depression mm-hmm. for for those for those who lived through it, okay, um, and and they were deep cries from their heart, and they were, you know, they were real genuine 
heartfelt feelings that the that these people struggled with. And you know, I'll hear them sing it and and to me as a person living 150 years separated, almost almost 200 years separated from that, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't register with me the depth of the emotion that those people wrote those songs with. Mm-hmm. Now, the the family members and the descendants of those people who wrote those songs, it probably does differently for them. Yeah. And so, and that uh, when you write a song that that transcends all of that and can hit an entire generation regardless of their status, their their socioeconomic status, their political status, their, you know, pick something. Something that can hit all of that, you you end up with just a different type of song. Yeah. And the majority of those songs are not written about a particular thing or a particular feeling. They're written about either a struggle or they're written about something that is concrete character of God. And, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's something that you can hold on to fast and that you hold on to for not six or eight months or a year, but you hold on to for your entire Christian walk. Yeah. And those are the ones that end up being songs that last a generation, two generations, five generations, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Hmm. So, I don't know. It's worship is an interesting thing um and one of the one of the i guess this is going to be a rabbit trail here for a second one of the pet peeves that i get is when people say things like oh modern worship is not as good because it's uh they call them 711 songs it has seven lines repeated 11 times and you're like okay and it could, because it, it it reminds me of of the preacher. I don't know if it's a true story or not, but it reminds me of that preacher that preached a sermon, went and talked to his congregation, you know, left Sunday, came back the next Sunday, preached the exact same sermon, mm-hmm. did it again, left, came back the next week, did it again, exact same sermon, three weeks in a row. Finally, after about three or four weeks, one of the one of the guys in the church says, uh, "Pastor, we." That's a real good sermon. We appreciate it, but but why do you keep preaching it week after week? And he says, "Well, y'all didn't get it the first three times, so I'm just going to keep preaching it till you do." Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, how many times does God have to repeat Himself to us? Right. That that you know, we can't repeat it in worship. How great, how marvelous, how wonderful God is. And, and you know, I mean, that's what we're going to be singing for all eternity. Yeah. Over and over and over. If you don't like Seven Eleven songs, I've got some news for you. Yeah. So you should read Revelation five. Yeah. I don't. I I understand because like it doesn't work in literally any other genre of music. Yeah. The the repetitiveness, right? But when you're talking about like singing about like the greatness of God's grace, the greatness of His mercy, mm-hmm. um, what He's rescued you from, like. Why wouldn't you want to repeat that over and over and over yeah. and over again and sing it over your life? Because, I mean, we're all guilty of forgetting what God has rescued us oh, from. Oh gosh, we're yes. all we're all guilty of that. And so, like, the repetitiveness of repeating that over and over again—that is as much for us as it is for thanking God, like for mm-hmm. His goodness and for His mercy. Um, and I th- and I keep coming back to like, unless you are the worship pastor who can make the call on what songs to sing, just 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 be a part of the worship experience. Yeah, just be there. If the words are on the screen and you don't care about singing them, like Anthony said a little while ago, read them. You know, just read them quietly to yourself. Read them. Read them silently. You know, in your in your mind and and ponder on them and think about mm-hmm. them and. And and think about what God has done for you, and um, maybe at some point a song you do like will be sung. I don't yeah. know, but <laughs> you know it. You know it's not about you. You know worship is about praising God for who He is, what He's done, mm-hmm. and um, I think if we could get past the personal preference side of things, our churches across the board would see a major step mm-hmm. forward as far as like engagement in worship, um, people really 
you know, grabbing grabbing the experience by the horns and being like, like you were like, yes, this is this is what I'm made for. This is this is what I need to do. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm um, <clears throat> worship is a very. Um, I think for Anthony and myself both, worship is a very like. Um, oh, what's the word? My brain ain't working. It, it's something that brings passion to my soul. Passionate. We're very passionate about it. That's what yeah. it is. We're very yeah. passionate about um, our churches doing it right, but also like about ourselves doing it right, mm-hmm. regardless of what our churches are doing. Yeah. You know, um, when, when we were talking about lyrics and, and all that, I, I can't help but think of the, the going back to a, a hymn that we've mentioned, um, It Is Well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we've said it a few times, but I want to give like a concrete example of what I'm talking about when I say that there are certain lyrics that transcend. Okay. Um, rem- remember this, that, that this song, It Is Well, was written as, as a song of grief. Okay. Um, the man was grieving the loss of his, his family. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a song of grief and... He write he pins this verse right here. It's the third verse, and it's probably my favorite verse, even more than the last. But the third verse says, "My sin, oh the bliss of a, of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul." Mm-hmm. And I I go back to you know when I talk about about songs that are timeless and songs that are that transcend a cultural moment. That's the type of lyrics that I'm talking about because you can be you could be 150 years earlier or 100 years earlier and he read those lyrics and have the exact same thought that I'm reading in 2022 which is I am a filthy wretched person at my core. And I need the cross. And it's because of the cross that I have the ability to have my sin nailed to it. And it's nothing that I did, but it's all the work of Jesus. And so the only thing that I can cry out is praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so it's that's the type of thing that, that, that I'm talking about when I say it it hits differently. It, it, it reaches you differently. Yeah. And... You know, I've mentioned that song a couple of times and going kind of tying it into what we talked about with celebrity culture and what people believe. If you were going to cut out a song because of what somebody believed, guess what? You'd probably have to cut this song out of your hymn book because Horatio Spafford believes some really crazy things. Mm. You know, Martin Luther believes some pretty crazy things. And so there has to be a degree of separation that you can get. And and there has to be this that you know you have to be able to separate the lyric from the writer I guess mm-hmm. at some point you know yeah. yes they always they always pin those but but don't let the writer of a song hold hold back well, what you can read in the song yeah I mean if we applied that same logic to scripture like how many authors of scripture would have been disqualified like how much how much writing of scripture would have been disqualified because of I mean, the actions of the writer let's just talk about the disciples for a minute yeah those guys were <laughs> all over the place yeah i mean so so if we apply that same logic to to the bible you know yes it's the inspired word of god and i i believe that there is some level of inspiration when it comes to worship music Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that there has to be, especially if it's God worshiping and like God honoring. Um, if it if it checks all those boxes, I, I believe there's some level of inspiration. Um, so if if we're gonna apply that same like, oh, that person from that church over there that preaches heresy or preaches almost heresy or however you want to put it, we can't worship. We can't use any of their songs because of their preacher mm-hmm. you've i mean the logic follows we talk about logic all the time here like you got to apply that same logic to scripture yeah and you if, have to if, be if consistent gonna, yeah if you're going to disqualify one you have to disqualify the other yeah 
And and a lot of times, and, and I, I may have said this, but a lot of times that's where you end up getting some of these these crazy beliefs is because people don't apply something consistently. Right. You know, um, they say something because they read a verse out of context and they take this thing and then they do it here and then they do something else over here and they're not acting in a consistent manner. Mm-hmm. They're not reading scripture in a consistent manner. And so it all comes down to consistency and you have to do the best that you can. I think that's what we can do. What we have to do in worship is you have to do the best that you can to say, I'm going to respond to all that God is with all that I am here in this moment, doing this thing, singing this song, praying this prayer, listening to this sermon, Mm -hmm. whatever it is that you're doing, going to the grocery store, driving down the road, um, not having road rage at the people who are driving in front of me and beside me and behind me. Um, and yes, I've got three fingers pointing back at myself on that one. But do what, what whatever we can to live consistent lives. Yeah. Because when we do that, we have a better witness for Christ. We, we have a better um, example to give other people to show people Christ. Yeah. So, there you go. That's my thoughts on it. I don't really have anything to add. That was kind of good. I enjoyed that. That was kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I wasn't. I wasn't real sure where we were going to be going with that tonight. And you know, I know we can talk about worship all day long, but yeah. But uh, I kind of. I really enjoyed that. So. Yeah, that was a good one. Yep. Well, Michael, how about you pray for us tonight? I can do that. Let's do it. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much for um, who you are. Thank you for um, your goodness and your grace and your mercy um, that you pour out on us freely, um, that all we have to do is receive. um, And uh, God, thank you so much for that. Uh, Thank you for this discussion tonight on worship. And God, we pray that... Um, we've honored and glorified you. We pray that you have um, just spoken through us and um, that we have uh, just handled the topic well and that we've um, encouraged um, somebody to... Uh, God, I just pray that we're encouragement to somebody, God. I pray that um, we've opened eyes and ears and um, helped some people uh, maybe look at things in, in a new way to um, to maybe uh, lead to a change in, in their hearts, God. And I just pray that um, I pray that's happened tonight. I pray that um, that we, we've handled the topic well. So um, I thank you for this discussion. I thank you for um, what you're doing uh, with our podcast, God. I pray you continue to bless. And um, God, I just pray you give us opportunities to, to continue to minister to people and um, – just be with us in the coming week as we go. Um, help us to worship you, not just um, at church on Sunday morning, but um, on the way to work on Monday, um, when we're at home with our kids during the week, God. Um, I pray that you just, um, that we worship you out of, out of an overflow of what you've done for us. And God, I just pray you, um, you're honored and glorified in all that we do. And um now we look forward to how you're going to continue to um, use and bless um, this podcast and our listeners in all of their lives, God. And I just pray you uh, bless them and their families, God. We love you. Uh, we thank you for again for this time and just uh, pray you uh, continue to um, be honored and glorified in what we do here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Anthony. Yes. If our listeners wanted to find the Beers and Bible podcast on social media, how would they go about doing that? They would go about finding us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. They could find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. They can find us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible podcast. And they can email us at Beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. And I have a surprise for everybody that not even Michael knew about. Oh snap! I, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> so I talked to um, you. May or may not have seen a hat that we posted a while back. 
um, with a little circular leather patch on the front of it, and it has our logo stamped into it. Um, those hats were made by my good friend who runs, owns and runs a company called Growly Leather. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking to him. He goes to my church, and I was talking to him the other day. And I was like, hey, man, I've had a few people ask me about this hat specifically and if they could get one. And we had contemplated putting them up in our store and trying to do all that, but I think it was going to be a little bit too much to try to figure all of that, getting it ordered out and all that kind of stuff. So if you want to order a Beers and Bible podcast hat, you can visit, and I'll put links uh, up in the show notes for this week, you can visit growlyleather.com. Um, and you can click on just their regular hat. It, it the, it's called the I think it's called the bison hat. It has the they have the same circular logo and it has their logo and it's a picture of a bison. But when the notes come up, you can just say make a little note that says I want the beers and Bible logo because they already have our stamp. It's already in place. We put that we bought that and put it in place. And so um, you just let them know that you want the beers and Bible stamp and they will put the beers and Bible stamp on there for you and mailed out to you just like normal you can deal everything with them i told him and he was like he's like do you want to you know no man you make all of it sell it do everything you're the man and so we just wanted to offer that uh to you guys uh so that you can get that it is a place that you can pick up something that is beers and bible um there so and it's a cool it's a cool hat i actually have one as well and it's yes uh, now that I know that, because I was not aware that that was going on, um, <laughs> I may be having to visit his website to take care of that myself. So Yes. In fact, I bet if you ordered anything from his website and said, hey, I would like the Beers and Bible stamp on it somewhere, he could do that for you because he has a Beers and Bible stamp. You probably should confirm that before we advertise that. I probably should. But I'm going to get him to make me something cool with the Beers and Bible logo on it. Well, sweet. That's awesome. So there you go. There's our surprise for the week. That is news to me. That is awesome. (laughs) So until next week, we hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open, and we will see you later. Peace out.